Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go today to the book of Numbers 13. Actually, before you go there, uh, let's go over to 1 Timothy. And... um, Look at some things here because uh, we want to continue with this that we've been on, continue in the truth. And uh, we're going to be dealing today specifically, if I could say it this way, with this subtopic of think, see, and be. Think, see, and be. And, uh, you know, Paul told Timothy... He said concerning the the times that there would be things that would happen and uh, that there would be those that would be, I said 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. He said, here it is, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, or they'll go from bad to worse. And it says, deceiving and being deceived. The word is leading others astray and being led astray. But notice what he says. But you continue in the things you've learned. The truth. You stay with the truth. You know, ever what happens in the world, it doesn't change the job not just of the church universally, it doesn't change the job of our church, of any church that's preaching the word. It doesn't change what they have to do, right? Just like the climate doesn't change the fact that you got to go to work. There are days that it's easier to go to work, right? When it's 75 degrees and a gentle breeze is blowing, I mean, that's a good day to go to work, Right? But, you know, when it's icy and 10 degrees and the wind's blowing, right? I mean, you know how the wind blows here in Kansas? It'll blow a crop duster backwards. (laughs) Amen. Right? Those are not convenient days to go to work. But there's not a caveat in your employment contract that says, if it's cold, stay home. Right? Right? It it means that you do what you have to do to continue in what you know, irregardless of what's going on. It's it's called the stand the fight of faith. In whatever you're believing God for, whatever you're standing for, there are days that it's easier to stand than other days, but yet you just continue in what you know. And notice what he said. He said that they would... Notice, they'll go from bad to worse. Hmm. These people, 
will go from bad to worse. And what will be the result? They will be deceived and they will deceive. So just settle it that there's going to be some people that get deceived. But for the believer, we're told not to be deceived. Well, how are we not deceived? Continuing in the truth. What does the Word of God say? Over and over again, when you read what Paul wrote in the book of Romans, he was writing and he was talking to the Gentiles and the Jews. And he said, now look, you, you, uh, the Jewish side over here, you guys are saying this and the Gentiles, you're saying this. What did he say? He said, but what says the Scripture? What does the Scripture say? Let's go back to the Word. When Jesus was dealing with the religious leaders of his day, he said, here's where you're erring. You don't know the Scripture. Is that right? You get into error when you don't stay with the truth. The the defense against error is truth. Truth. Right? What's the truth? People say, I don't know what to do with my child. They're out of control. I know what to do. (laughs) Right? Scripture says if you withhold correction, you hate them. Right? Isn't that what the scripture says? So there's an answer. Right? That, that, that could be a spanking, a grounding, a timeout, a talking to, whatever it is. But he, that's the answer. Is that the truth? Right? Does the Bible say if you leave a child to themselves, you'll smart for it? That's what it says, right? So you don't want to leave a child to themselves. Why? Because that violates the truth. Yeah, but you know, you know, it's just hard. I know it's hard. That's why you're the parent. Put on your big boy pants, big, man, big girl pants. You're going to get through it. But somebody's got to do it because this is the truth. What do you stay with? The truth. Is that right? Now, that's just an example. But the point is that's, in, that's on any area. We stay with what the truth is. Hallelujah. See, the truth is inconvenient with the, for the world because the truth requires character. To stand for truth, you have to have character and integrity. You, 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 you have Integrity and character are born of truth. You, you can't have either one of those if you don't have truth. For, for those of us in here that are born of the truth, it would never cross our mind to lie. I need a little more loud amens than that, right? It would never cross our mind to lie. Why? We're of the truth. The Bible says no lie dwells in us. Is that right? So when the opportunity comes to lie, something in our spirit recoils against it. Amen. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me about something. They said, well, you know, I I really can't lie there. And I'm like, well, no, you can't. You really can't. Not and be of the truth. So Paul writes Timothy and he says, here's the answer. Even though other people are being deceived and they're deceiving other people and they're being led astray and they're leading others astray, you stay with the truth. Amen. Well, one of the truths we want to deal with is this, is that The way you think is the way you're going to see it, and that's the way you're going to be. That never changes. If you think a certain way, you're going to see things a certain way. 
and then that's the way you're going to be. For the enemy or anyone else to get a person to think a certain way, that individual has to give their mind over to that. And once the mind's given over to something, the words and the actions will soon follow. Because you start seeing it that way, you start talking that way, and then you start acting that way. You will never act different than you talk and think. Ever. Ever. That's why Joel 10 says that if you're weak, to let the weak say, I'm strong. Right? You understand? And so we're not talking necessarily about words, but notice something. The way that we think. Hallelujah. I've read this verse uh, in the book of Isaiah. And uh, the King James leaves it a little blind to us because uh, it talks about not calling things uh, difficult or hard that the world calls hard. I want you to see this. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 12, the King James says, Say ye not a confederacy to all them whom this people shall say a confederacy. Notice this. Neither fear their fear or be afraid. The Passion Translation says, Don't believe their every conspiracy rumor. And don't fear what they fear. Don't be moved or terrified. The, the Amplified Bible says, Don't call conspiracy or hard or holy what these people call conspiracy or hard or holy. Neither fear what they fear or make others afraid or dread. Now, why is that important? Because he's telling us, first of all, not to be afraid with what they're afraid of. The world's fear is not my fear. Right? One translation, as a matter of fact, the very next verse in the King James says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts and let Him be your fear. Another translation says, Fear nothing or no one but Yahweh God. Right? Now here's the point that I'm making. So the Amplified Bible says, Don't be afraid with their fear and don't make others afraid. I'm just going to share this with you. Are you ready? The world's not ending. The world is not ending. Are you following me? Yeah, but what if this happens? We'll keep going. You've got to understand something. As the church, our job is to give hope in the middle of hopelessness. Not to make people afraid with the fear of the world. Are you following me? Yeah, but this might happen and this might happen and that might happen. Right, and what's the answer to all that might happen? 
stay with the truth. Right? So he said, don't make others afraid or dread. Don't fear what they fear. Look over in uh, the book of Numbers 13. I want to show you a couple examples of this. Now, there are always people that are in denial, and that's not what I'm talking about. All right? The person that's in denial comes in, well, that's probably not a good example for the day and age we live in. But years ago, they would come to church sneezing and coughing and say, I don't have a cold, I don't have a cold. Yeah, you do, go home. (laughs) That's denial. That's denial. Right? If it's there, it's there. That's denial. It's not denial to say, well, I have the symptoms, but I'm healed in Jesus' name. Well, here's the key. So there's always going to be that person that's in denial. But notice something in Numbers 13, verse 31. This is when the, the, the 12 spies came back, and the 10 were in doubt. Notice, verse 30 says, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we're well able to overcome it. But the men, the ten, notice, that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now stop right there and think about this. Here's ten men that went in. Now here's the majority. Twelve went in. Twelve came out. Ten, who is the majority, says... uh, We can't do this because the people are stronger than us. Now, we've taught this on this at length. But these are the same people that God said, I'll drive out, that I've made bread for you. I'll send my angel before you and he'll drive them out. You just go in and possess the land. Is that right? Well, they come back out and they saw the land. Now, notice this. They saw the land. But notice what their, here it is, their thinking was. Yep, the land's great. It's just what God said. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. And sure enough, here's the fruit of it. But guess what we also saw? Yeah, the land's great. It's wonderful, but we can't take it. Do you see that? Look what they were thinking. When your thinking's wrong, it doesn't matter what you're seeing that lines up with the will of God. If you're thinking wrong, you won't see it. Hallelujah. So they're they're in the land, they see the land, they see the fruit, they see the evidence of it, but their thinking is not on what God said, it's on what they're seeing. I've dealt with this years, for years in the healing ministry. I've dealt with this for years. Well, brother, sister, why aren't you healed? Why are you saying you're not healed? Well, look at me. I'm not any better. Well, who told you that? Who told you you weren't any better? Well, the doctor, the the symptoms, the report. Yeah, but what did God say? Isaiah 53 says, if you want to see the arm of the Lord revealed to you, that you have to decide whose report you're going to believe. Right? 
And he said in Isaiah 53 and 5, Isaiah said, with his stripes, you are healed. So Isaiah is writing to Old Testament Christians. Jesus had not even been to the cross yet. He had not even sacrificed his body yet, right? And Isaiah is saying, if you will believe the report of the Lord, God will reveal his arm to you, which is indicative of his strength, and he'll heal you Old Testament believers on credit by what Jesus is going to do. Hallelujah. So Isaiah is looking forward to the cross. Then in Matthew chapter uh, 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 8, it says that Jesus healed all the sick that were there, that it might be fulfilled. But what was written by Isaiah the prophet, he bore our sins and carried our sicknesses, and with his stripes, you're healed. Then Peter, in 1 Peter 2 and 24, looking back at the cross, said, with his stripes, you were healed. Isaiah says you are, Jesus says you are, and Peter says you were. That's the report. I'm healed. Yeah, but you know, doctor said, wait a minute. Whose report are you going to believe? See, it's how you think. Right? Well, you know, I thought if I was healed, you know, I'd feel better. I'd have. Now, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. And, and Naaman stood before Elijah's home. And he sent Gehazi out. Remember? Elisha sent Gehazi out and said, Go dip in the river Jordan. What, a, what, what did Naaman do? Got mad. Why? I thought he would come out. Wave his hand over the spot and cleanse me of my leprosy. So he did a quick U-turn, scratched out of there and scratched rocks up against the house. That's my version. Right? Took off. Now, wait a minute. But here's how a lot of, that's, that's the same way a lot of New Covenant people think. Well, if I was healed, surely I'd feel better. If I was healed, every symptom would be gone. Chapter and verse for that. It's not there. How do you think? Your faith can be hindered by how you think. Faith to be healed is a meeting of two people's faith. The faith of the person needing healing and the faith of the person ministering healing. My faith is not always going to get you healed. Your faith will always get you healed. And when we combine the two, it's undefeatable. But you got to believe when you have hands laid on you that you're healed irregardless of what you feel or don't feel, of what you see or don't see. I am what God said because I'm going to continue in the truth. And he said in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 15, all these evil diseases of Egypt that you know will not come on you because I'm the Lord that heals you and I'll take all sickness from your midst. So did he say he would take it? Did he say he would take it? 
Well, he took, Isaiah said, he took our sicknesses and took our infirmities. And with his stripes, we were healed. So did he take them or is he going to take them? He took them. So if he took them, they're not mine. They are trespassing. They are illegal. They are wrong. They have no right on my body. That's the truth. Now, how do you think about it? So when you start thinking that way, you begin to see it as an impossibility to get sick or stay sick. Is that right? I told one person, I said, I don't mind telling you. I'll ne-. They, they were talking about certain things, you know, going around. I said, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Oh, brother, no, I'll never have it. Do not respect or honor anything under the curse. I didn't, say, I didn't say not to be responsible. It's not what I'm saying. But you don't honor it. It's under the curse. It's an enemy of God. We don't honor it. I'll wash my hands. I'll put a mask on. If you don't want me within six feet of you, I have no problem with that. But I'm not doing it because I honor a sickness. I'm doing it because I want, I want people to be comfortable. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is important. Because the way you think. If you think something can come on you and you can die of it. If you think it can come on you and you can die of it, you are diluting your faith. And you're going to have a hard time standing. I'm helping somebody. If you think you can lose everything and end up broke, you're going to have a hard time standing against it. Because the way you think is the way you're going to see, and that's how you're going to be. Because you start thinking it, you'll start seeing it. You'll start seeing yourself sick. You'll start seeing yourself broke. I talk to people all the time and they'll say, well, you know, I want to I do what God wants me to do, but I just don't want to miss it. You're thinking about missing it. You're not thinking about doing what God wants you to do. You're thinking about missing it. And you keep thinking about missing it, you're going to miss it. Amen. What's wrong with saying, I'm always in the right place at the right time. I have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. I always make the right decisions. I always hear God's voice. I am His sheep. I know His voice and another one I will not follow. Well, it can't be that easy. That's right. That's how you think, so it's not that easy for you. Amen. Yeah, you know, it's just hard to hear God's voice. Uh, Give me that scripture where it's hard to hear God's voice. I thought the scripture said in Romans 8, 14 that whoever was the sons of God were led by the Spirit of God. I I didn't think it said that for some of us it was harder than others. (laughs) Is that right? So how many of us in here can hear God's voice? How many? Every hand should go up. If you're born again, your hand should be up, right? Now how easy is it to hear? Very easy. Just listen. 
Isaiah said this. He said, Isaiah said this. He said, you'll hear a voice telling you, don't turn that way, don't turn that way, but turn to the right or to the left. Now that was the old covenant believers. And Isaiah said, it's this easy. You'll hear God's voice. You, you, you following me? How you think. So if you think this can happen to you and this will be the result, it can and it will because you've authorized it by opening the gate of your mind and following it up with your actions and your words. Do you see this? Now look over Deuteronomy. I'm taking my time. I'm not in a hurry. If uh, it is exactly 11.13 if you're taking medicine. <laughs> Deuteronomy 1. Deuteronomy 1. Now remember that Deuteronomy is, the, the, the meaning of the word Deuteronomy is second law. If you remember at the end of the book of Numbers, God told Moses, you're not going over into the land. And Moses asked God, please, let me go over into the land. And God said, no, get up to the top of the mountain and look, but you're not going. And then when you start reading in Deuteronomy, Moses mentions that in the first couple chapters of Deuteronomy a couple times. He says, the Lord, <laughs> and it's funny, you can kind of see the older Moses got, the less patience he had with people. But in any event, that's not you, but the... The point is, he said, because of you, the Lord won't let me go into the land. So that's just information for you. So however that is. But notice something. My point in saying that is, look at verse 26. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents. And said, because the Lord hated us, He brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Now notice this. Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying, the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. Moreover, we saw the sons of the Anakims there. Notice what they said. Our brethren have discouraged, the word has melted, our hearts. Who did? What did Isaiah say? Don't be afraid with their fear and don't make others afraid. We see right here in the book of Deuteronomy that ten men discouraged millions of people. Amen. Why do you continue with the truth? Notice, Moses went on and said, Then I said unto you, Do not dread, neither be fearful of them. The Lord that goes before you, He'll fight for you according to all He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Do you see this? Verse 32. Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God. Now why did they not believe God? Because they were already thinking they couldn't. You won't believe God past your thinking.
People say, well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. That's baloney. Let me say it stronger. That's garbage. Let me say it even stronger. That's false doctrine. There are a lot of things that are the will of God for people, and none of it's come to pass. Because it requires, it requires my belief. Okay, if you believe that, then why does Matthew 6 say that we are to pray this way? Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, how many know everything that's in heaven is God's will? How does it get down here in the earth? You asking for it. You working with, if you're here tonight, we'll talk more about that. You getting in the plan of God. Right? But notice what he said. He said, notice what he said. He said, you did not believe the Lord your God. Was it because they, was it because the land was not what they said it was? Was it because the fruit wasn't there? Was it, did he say it's because of the enemies? The giants? The cities? What did he say? Because you didn't believe. Do you see that? Verse 33, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, in fire by night to show you by, way, by what way you should go, and in a cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, notice, the Lord heard your words. Once you start thinking a certain way, you begin to see that way, and then you start talking that way. Remember Malachi chapter 3? You say, it's, you say, you say, you say that, it's, that it, is, it is grievous to serve God. What use is there in tithing? And what did God say? Your words have bound me up. Am I helping you? By the mere fact that God has given man authority through words, God cannot come down and undo what you say. Oh, there's nothing God can't do. I disagree because I've just read you where he said, I can't take you into the land because you won't believe me. Do you see that? When you say something, when you think a certain way, be be careful with that. Because your thoughts become your words and your words become your actions. And when you start thinking a certain way, you're going to start wanting to say it. When you look at your checkbook and you think a certain thing, now hopefully you're looking at your checkbook and regardless of what you're saying, you're, you're, regardless of what you're seeing, here's what your thoughts are. My God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory. And then that's what you say. But here, j- j- for the sake of teaching, people look at their checkbook and they go, Dear God, there's less in here than there was last month. Then the thought comes in, Yeah, well, you got a lot coming up. You're not going to make it. Honey, I just, I don't know if we're going to make it. You hear what I'm saying? Sweetheart, I've been, I've been looking at the numbers and I just, oh, I don't know if we're, I don't know. I just, my God. You thought it? You're saying it? There's only one next step. Amen. 
when you think God's word and say God's word, you're putting up a barrier to the devourer. Amen. Oh, my God supplies all of my needs. I'm a tither. Therefore, I'm set on high above all nations of the earth. I have great favor with God and with man. Right? See, now I'm saying that. Yeah, but I don't see that. It doesn't matter what you see. What are you saying about what you see? Because what you say helps change what you're thinking. Amen. Listen, I am a positive person. People say, what do you mean by that? I I am so positive, I'd buy a money belt with my last dollar. You hear what I'm saying? I am so positive that I put a dime in the parking meter while my wife goes shopping. Y'all will get that later. I am so positive, I'll go whale hunting in a rowboat and take the tartar sauce with me. I'm positive. I've had people tell me, you're one of them positive thinkers. Yes, I am, because I think like God. I'm positively saved, positively righteous, positively holy, positively sanctified, positively God's son. But here's the thing. So, if you are not thinking the way God thinks, you'll never see it the way God sees it. Am I helping you? And so when you, a person looks at their finances and they go, oh my goodness, there's just not enough. There's just not enough. But the Bible says that God supplies your need. It says in 2 Corinthians 9 that you'll have all sufficiency in all things and abound unto every good work. Now why is that important? That's not just a scripture that we quote. It's just not something that's word of faith theology. It's what God gave to his people to remind them that when you sow, something is happening here that you can't see. And the enemy's job is to get you thinking on what you're seeing instead of thinking on what you've already done in faith. You've already sowed. There is seed in the ground. Think about that. If you think about the seed and you think about the possibility of that seed being multiplied a hundred times to your account and you just think about the last seed you sowed. Think about it. Let's just say it this way. If you sowed a seed of $5 and it was multiplied ten times, what do you got? Well, my light bill's due. Well, how much is your light bill? Well, it's uh, $47. And the enemy will get you to focus on the fact that you're $47 short and get your mind off the seed you just sowed. Yeah, but no, you can withdraw off seed you've sown because it's there. It's in the ground. you start thinking that way, you'll see that way, and you'll start acting that way. These people had God on their side. He had already delivered them. He had already brought Egypt to its knees. 
They've, they've already, by this time that Deuteronomy is being written, the Amorites have already been destroyed. Og, Sihon, all these kings had been destroyed and wiped out by God. And now they're on the border of the promised land. And all those, other, all those people that had disbelieved God have died off. And Moses is now having to go over the second law and tell these young people, the ones, the sons, the daughters, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren of that generation that died in the wilderness. He's having to go over it before he goes to his reward and say, don't think like them, don't see like them, and you won't be like them. Don't do what they did. Where did it start? They started with their thinking. The first generation that came out of Egypt never lost their slave mentality. Every time they reached a hard spot, they said, wish we could go back. Now think about that. Isn't it easy to forget the suffering in the midst of a challenge? I knew a guy one time came to the church, and before he got born again, he used to be a drug dealer. Had a lot of those here. Still got some. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) But here's the point. He went through a financial challenge. He was working a normal job. Went through a financial challenge. He came to me mad. I said, what's wrong with you? Before I got saved, I always had money. There's days I made 10, 8, $5,000 $5,000 a day. Mm-hmm. And the police were breaking your door down, putting you in handcuffs, taking you to jail in front of your kids. What a life. Right? Now you're in a position where you got to stand and be in faith and believe God and things will turn around. I mean, you spent... 15 years messing your life up. Give God six months to bring you out. Amen. Amen. You see what I'm trying to say? Come to God and it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Oh, my life's so good. I'm delivered from drugs. Everything's going great. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Six months later, there's a problem. Wish I was back in the world. Where'd that start from? What I'm thinking. Isn't that something? They never lost that mindset. Would to God we were back in Egypt, sitting by the flesh pots, the leeks and the garlics. Right? In other words, they were saying, I would rather live off what they give me than be free. Every person sitting in here today, there is no limit to where you can go, what you can do, and who you can be in God if you don't limit yourself. Amen. And notice what he said. He said, he heard the voice of your words. Mm. Just like you can't out-train a bad diet, you will never be able to act different than your thinking. Ever. You can't go home today and eat half a pie and jump on the treadmill tomorrow and think you're going to run all those calories off. (laughs) 
it's funny. You start talking about things like that. People, what'd you say, Lord? Oh, not to listen to that. Okay, pie is your will. Okay. <laughs> I'm not telling you not to eat pie. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I'm saying. You know, I, I've talked to people that say, well, I got to do extra treadmill today because, you know, I ate four pies yesterday. It's not going to help. <laughs> you got to quit eating pie. You can't, you can't out-train that. You cannot act different than you think. You will not believe differently than you think. And consequently, you'll never be able to do more than you're thinking. Am I helping you? Look at Proverbs 23. Because... We're coming into the year of light and magnificent victory. I heard, I heard somebody this morning, actually a preacher, say, well, you know, we don't even really know what next year is going to bring. I do. Good things. Amen. See, you got to make a decision. Something I've answered every time I've heard it this year, and you'll hear it all the time from ministers. You'll get letters and emails. Well, in these uncertain days, my days are not uncertain. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes, we do. Good things. Amen. Yeah, but you don't know what might happen tomorrow. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow in the world. Good things are going to happen to me. Did the flood come? Did people die? Was Noah safe? Have challenges come this year? Have people suffered? Are you okay? I rest my case. So if something happens tomorrow, are you still going to be okay? Are you still going to be blessed? Are you still going to be overcoming? Are you still going to be thriving? Are you still going to be expecting the manifestation of what you're believing God for? Then it doesn't matter. Nothing changes me except what I believe. Glory to God. There are people in here, and you could raise your hand. People in here that's got raises this year, am I right? Raises, bonuses, better jobs. Amen. There are people in here that have bought property, bought vehicles, got victory in your life this year. Started businesses this year. This year. Because you were ignoring what was going on or denying what was going on? No, you did it in spite of it. Right? Say it out loud. Say, devil, devil. I did it in spite of it. Say this. Saying, devil, devil. I'll, do I'll do it tomorrow. And the next day. And next week. And next month. Just, just put him on notice. I say, put him on notice. I whooped you yesterday. And if you show up tomorrow asking for some more, I'll whoop you again. I may not can stop you from coming to my house, but I can arrange for you to limp going home. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You need to put you need you need to put you need to put a sign on your spiritual house and let the devil know. You come around here, you're cruising for a bruising. 
Because the bottom line is, I'm not trying to win over you. I'm enforcing the victory I've already won. Amen. You, 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 you need to understand that. Jesus fought too hard of a battle. He fought too hard and overcome too much for us as His people and as the recipients of His victory to just sit back and let the devil run over us and just sit back and think the way the world thinks. Somebody died so that we could have freedom over the things of the world. Somebody gave their life, shed their blood, went to hell, fought the devil, overcame the devil for you and me. We're not going to just sit back and say, I'm going to think that way and act that way and be that way. I'm going to think, act, and be like the overcomer I am in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. And you keep running your mouth about my money, I'll give it all away. (laughs) Amen. Am I helping you? Proverbs 23 and verse 6. Notice what it says. Don't eat the bread of him that has an evil eye. Don't desire his dainty meats. Why? For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says, but his heart's not with you. That's referring to a selfish, stingy person, a miser. And he's saying one thing, but thinking another. He's saying, yeah, go ahead and eat. Hate and every bite you're eating. The word says no matter what he says, how he thinks is how he is. Do you see that? The ideas that each of us have concerning life were implanted in us early in life. They shaped our thinking. That's not an excuse. It's just a reality. Amen. For each of us, when we got a hold of the Word, the thing that had to change first was our thinking. The blessings of God flowed freely when your thinking changed. Amen. Remember the first time you heard somebody preach that you were righteous? And you thought, me? Or maybe you did. I did. I thought, me? And I was raised in church. I was born again when I was eight years old, filled with the Holy Spirit when I was nine, spoke in tongues. And the first time I heard somebody say I was righteous, I thought, well, me? After all, brother, there's none righteous. No, not one. I'm not a crook. <laughs> right? Remember that? Anybody remember that besides me? But one day it hit you. Yeah. I am in right standing with God. Yeah. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. What happened? Everything changed. The way you viewed things, the way you viewed sin changed. You no longer saw yourself as captive to sin. You saw yourself with victory over it. Because you didn't think it could whip you anymore. What if I told you the thing you've been falling prey to has no power over you and if you'll start thinking that way, it'll never have power over you again. It can't be that easy. Okay, that's what you think, so it's not. It's not that easy because you don't think it is. Thinking positive about something doesn't make it any easier. It just lets you see it's doable. Amen? Folks, you're not, listen, you're not going to think your way through a marathon, but you're not going to get through one without thinking. Because your 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 mind's involved. 
If you get, and I know, I ran eight of them, I know. If, if you get at the starting line and you're thinking about the 26th mile, just go home. Just go home. Because at some point during that race, you're going to have to think this way. Just put one foot in front of the other. What if I told you that today? Here's how you got to do it. You just got to get up in the morning and do it again. You just got to get up tomorrow and believe God. You got to get up the next day and believe God. Well, when's it going to get easy? Who cares if it ever gets easy? You're winning. If it's easy, everybody would do it. And you can readily see everybody's not doing it. Hallelujah. Am I helping you? So, 2 Corinthians 10. They shaped our thinking. How many people would say that your parents shaped your thinking? Most people, right? How many would say that when you got old and learned some things, you figured out you weren't thinking right about everything? Well, who shaped their thinking? Their parents. And who shaped their thinking? Their, here, here's my point. I'm not running your parents down. I'm trying to say there are things that shaped our thinking. And then when God starts trying to deal with us about things, we start thinking about the way, the, the thoughts that we were trained to think. There are people under the sound of my voice. You don't think you're ever going to have any more than you have because you think you've reached the pinnacle. It's about as good as it gets for me, okay? No, it's not. You have kavu. That's a pilot term. Ceiling and visibility unlimited. There's no limits to what you can do. There's no limits to what you can believe God for. Because faith is an unlimited force. Because it comes from the Word of God. And the Word of God is unlimited in its action or its ability. Because the Word of God is God. And God is unlimited in His action or ability as it pertains to what you will believe. That's why Jesus said the man came to Him and said, Lord, your disciples could not cast this demon out. And Jesus said, bring him to me. Remember? And Jesus said to the disciples, not the man, to the disciples, you unbelieving generation, how long am I going to have to put up with you? And the man stepped up and said, I believe... Help my unbelief. If you can do anything, help us. And the King James says, Jesus said, well, now all things are possible to him that believeth. But the Greek says it this way. As for this question of yours, if I can do anything, I am a believing one, and all things are possible to a believing one. Are you a believing one? I said, are you a believing one? Are you a believing one? Are you a believing one? Then Jesus, out of his mouth, it fell from the lips of the master. He said all things were possible to a believing one. Now line up whatever you're dealing with and put it against that word all and tell me how it measures up. Doesn't hold water. Amen. Amen. But if the devil knows you'll cave because of how you think, he will work on keeping you in that realm of thinking. 
and He'll put the pressure on you there. Amen. Well, after all, you know, people knew about you. <laughs> and what does, what does that matter? I mean, think about that. What does it matter? If people think about you different because of whatever it is, then how important are they to you, really? So you are more concerned about what people that don't care about you think than what God says about you who gave His life for you. And you will substitute what He thinks for what they think. And in turn, honor them more than you honor God. Well, you know, we were thinking this was the will of God, but then we talked to so-and-so, and they made it, oh, oh. So they can change what you think. God can't, but they can. Let me go back over here. That, that's important. Because if somebody can change your thinking from something you said God told you, then you've got to make an admission. Either you didn't hear from God, or you're letting somebody change your mind about what God said. And if you let somebody change your mind about what God said, write it down. You'll never do anything for God. You'll never have anything God wants you to have. Because at some point in your faith life, you will have to stand against what people think and do what God thinks. That's why Jesus said in the book of Luke, when they sent out the invitations and said, we've made a great supper, and they sent for people that He wanted to be there, and you'll remember, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to preach here, but you'll remember, one said, well, I just got married, got to go on my honeymoon. The other one said, I, I, I got to go try out my oxen. The other said, I need to go look at a piece of land. And what did Jesus say in the book of Luke chapter 14? He said, those were all excuses. He didn't say they weren't legitimate, and He didn't say they weren't needful. He said, they are excuses. And the, and the man brought back word, and it says that the master went, Oh, okay, I understand. You know, it's okay. No, it says he was angry. Why was he angry? Look at everything I've got. Not angry at the people, angry at their response. Angry that you would think that something over here is more important than this. What is more important than you doing everything God has called you to do and being everything God's called you to be? Nothing's more important than that. Amen. Do you see that? Yeah, but you know, at my age, what's that got to do with anything? That's an excuse. Well, you know, when I was younger, oh, so you're saying that God can only use young people or people that are younger than you. Lord, I'm, I'll say it. Is that because you really believe that or you're just lazy or you just don't want to change? See, it's, it's how I think. Think about this. Think, now think about this. Somebody will turn 40. I know people that have turned 40. And here's what I'll hear them say. You know how it is when you get old. Well, when I get there, I'll tell you. At 40 years of age. Oh, 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 my Lord, man, you, 
you pull a hammy or a pop a hernia or what did you do? <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm fine. It's just, you know, when you get to be my age, how old are you? I mean, I'm 10 years older than you. How you think? Please, am I helping y'all? Please understand that. Because you start thinking that, you start talking that, you'll start being that. Hallelujah. I used to know a guy, he'd, oh, isn't it a booger getting old? I don't know. I'm not there. And then your faith cannot counteract what you don't want because you've been given it license by what you think and what you say. Amen. I stand in the mirror every day of my life. Every day of my life, morning and night, before I go to bed, before I, when I get up in the morning, and I say things about myself. I am a confidant of God. Even though there are areas in my life where I'm weak, Joel 3.10 specifically tells me to let the weak say I'm strong. I am a lover of people. I am kind. I am gentle. I'm a good finder. I have the best interests of people at my, at, at, at my heart. Amen. I have security in a no-job security world. Amen. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm strong. Tonight, I will dream powerful, positive dreams, and I will awake refreshed. Tomorrow's going to be marvelous. Oh, that's just that positive thinking stuff. Yeah, and I can tell you don't use it. Amen. My daddy said some people look like they were born on the backside of a moon, winged on a dill pick, weaned on a dill pickle, and baptized in vinegar juice. That's for you, Dad. I always thought that was so corny till I started seeing people like that. Well, that's true. Old man was right after all. Amen. I'm trying to get to this scripture. i got about 10 minutes. Bear with me. But do you understand that? Do you think? Most of the numbers that you see about the children of Israel, their army, was around 600,000. Do you think that 600,000 men could have overwhelmed the enemy in the promised land? It could have, couldn't they? Ten men. Melted the heart of hundreds of thousands. Because they came back talking what they were thinking. All the way back from that journey, they were thinking on what they'd saw. Caleb and Joshua were thinking about what God saw. And what God said. And they were getting excited about moving into the land. The other ten were thinking about what they saw. And what their failures, their weaknesses. And they destroyed the courage of hundreds of thousands. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 10. There's a lot here. I'm not even halfway through my notes. So there'll be another one. 2 Timothy, or 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 10. And three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And and, and notice this is a parenthetical statement that he makes here. It's for clarification. 
for instruction, for, for uh, bringing out what he's saying. For the weapons, he says, we walk, we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And then he says, notice, parenthetical, here's why. For, wouldn't the word for denote why? Here's why we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal, fleshly, meaty, but mighty. Now notice, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. So carnal weapons are not mighty. Hmm. So your natural intellect is not mighty. So our weapons are not carnal or weak, but mighty through God. Through preposition, right? Denoting the channel, the way something comes. Through God, our weapons are mighty. Now notice, through God. God has to be there through God to what? The pulling down of strongholds. Is that right? Well, what's a stronghold? Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking turns into a stronghold. This word stronghold, when Paul wrote it, it became a prison, it meant a prison that keeps one encased. In the older Greek, it meant a fortress that kept people out. When Paul wrote it, he used it as a prison that keeps people in. So Paul says that the way the enemy works is through these strongholds that keep you all bottled up and chained up. Amen. In, in one of the, 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 the countries in, in Europe, former Soviet Union, I believe it was, it was Kiev or uh, 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 one of those cities in the Ukraine. Anyway, long story short, they, they went there to liberate that city. And when they did, they had a zoo there. And in that zoo was a bear. And it was in a 16 foot by 16 foot enclosure. And that bear all day long, all day would walk 16 feet this way and 16 feet this way. 16 feet this way and 16 feet this way. Well, they, they got the bear out. They, they fattened the bear up. They, they did everything they could do medically. And, and it took a few months. And they thought, we're going to set this bear free. True story. We're going to set this bear free. We're going to take him out to the wild. They took him out to the wilds of that country, opened the, the, the door on the container they had him in. That bear stepped out and walked 16 feet this way and 16 feet this way and 16 feet this way. They had to kill the bear. There were no walls around the bear. There were no bars. There was no limitations. Yes, there were. You're not doing more because you don't think you can do more. And because you don't think you can do more, you'll never see yourself doing more, and then you'll never do more. And Paul says that there are strongholds and he says the way to overcome those are not with natural, human, fleshly weapons. He said they're mighty through God. How do we do this? Verse 5, casting down imaginations. The word is reasonings, arguments. Now think about that. Reasonings, all the reasons you can't. Arguments against what you're believing God for. Arguments against what God told you to do. One man that I read after a lot that was the foremost business philosopher in America, he said this, it's not the direction of the wind, it's the setting of the sail. Amen. The wind's going to blow whichever way it blows. 
you can make progress by how you set your sail. Now you can't sail a boat into the wind. Yes, you can. It's a maneuver called tacking. You can do it. You just got to set the sail. You may not make the progress that you would make going with the wind, but you'll still make progress. If your goal is over there and the wind's blowing against you, let me ask you this morning, what option do you have? If you don't do anything, you're going to be blown whichever way the wind's blowing. Do you see this? And so Paul said, you got to cast down imaginations. It's that Greek word kata, K-A-T-A. And it means to come down heavily, to come down mightily, to come down with force. Right? It, it carries the idea of subduing someone. Amen. You know, for years, years I, I trained martial arts. And uh, it finally got to the place where I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't continue because of the time commitment. That was, that was there because just the way I'm geared, I want to be the top of what we're doing, right? And so, but here's something that, that, that you learned. When, when you had a certain technique where you were to subdue somebody, of course you didn't hurt them in training, but they wanted you to show the force involved with this. I have been subdued. <laughs> it's against your will. Are you following me? When, when you, if somebody's trying to do something you don't want them to do, you've got to subdue them. And you don't subdue them by, now honey. Right? Have you ever seen that? The mom's walking through the store. The baby's throwing a fit. Now honey, now calm down. Now, now baby, now. <laughs> Grab, Right? And you're thinking, somebody needs to subdue that child. <laughs> right? Amen. None of our kids act like that. But the point is, there has to be some subduing. He said here, you got to come down on this with force. What? These imaginations, these reasonings. In other words, you don't listen. You don't pay attention. You act. You don't sit and think on them. No, that's not my thought in Jesus' name. I cast that down. I refuse to think that way. And I speak to the Spirit behind that thought. You cease in your activity against me in Jesus' name. Why? If it's not of God, it's not from God. And you didn't think it. It was put there. How do I know you're going to win? Because God said you're going to win, and you think God's thoughts. Amen. Amen. Let me hurry. Against the knowledge of God, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, every high thing, casting down imaginations reasonings, and every high thing. So we could say without hurting this verse, all imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, what God has said in His Word, and bring into captivity most thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Oh no, every thought. 
So every thought that runs through your mind, you can bring it into the obedience of Christ. Right? So he's referring to warfare in the mind, reasonings, arguments, and in this particular case, against the gospel, and he says they have to be cast down. Not considered. I hear people today that, well, you know, it don't hurt to hear the other side. Oh, yes, it does. Well, you know, the Bible says, come, let us reason together. That's God and you, not you and the sinner. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what you think. I'm not going to sit and listen to somebody try to explain to me how their sin is okay. Or how their lack of belief in God is okay. Or how their... Whatever it may be. And we're going to cast that down. This is what the Word says. What you give your mind to, and I'll close with this. What you give your mind to is for every time you think about something, this is physically proven, you are forming neural pathways in your mind. And your mind will want to think that way. You following me? That's why you got, with the first time that thought comes, you got to grab it, cast it down. Who grabs it? Who cast it down? Why? Your mind is your mind. This is my mind. Now, why is that so important? Because the way you think is how you're going to see, and that's how you're going to be. And I hear a lot of people today talking about no hope. Folks, I'm going to be very honest with you, and I'm not trying to be funny, but hear me. I'm not buying non-perishable goods. I don't have a cave somewhere. I haven't bought any water filters. I'm not going to the desert. I'm not prepping other than to preach. Now you say, why is that, why is that important? Because there's hope. The Bible says where there's breath, there's hope. Now think about this for a moment. I'm talking about my, our nation for a moment. There are people, prophets that we've heard prophesy that we have great faith in. And they've said this is the rebirth of our nation. When did that change? What changed? Yeah, but you know. Now wait a minute. Did it change because you perceive that a certain person didn't get elected and so it all changed? Well, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. I was talking to a minister one day and I said, well, what if so-and-so does get elected? I said, does that change the scripture that the heart of the king is in the Lord's hands and as the river of water, he turns it wherever way he wants? Did it change that? And he just looked at me and went, oh, I never thought of that. Well, think about it. What does it change? If they, come to, if they come to you Monday and say, you know, we're thinking about laying off and, and you know you're on the list, we'll let you know. What's that change? You, you understand what I'm trying to say? What does that change? Does that change what God has said about you? doesn't change what God said about you. Your faith is in what God said 
Not in, listen, whatever goes on out there will not affect you if you got it right in here. You can't be, see, do, think better out there if you're not being, seen, doing, thinking better in here. Amen. And I'll end with this. I told my wife, I said, I don't care what goes on in the world. It's not affecting how we do things. And I've had people tell me, well, you're just living in a bubble. You bet I am, and I like it. I had a person tell me. They said, you fake people. You just live in a dream world. I said, yeah, and don't wake me up. Because it's good over here. Nothing has changed unless you think it's changed. I'll leave you with this. The book of Jeremiah says, if you can stop the sun from rising, or the moon from rising, or the sun from setting, you can can stop my covenant from working. I know it's cloudy today, but I think the sun rose. And I'm pretty sure about... 15 after 5, 5.30, we'll see the moon tonight. So what's changed? Is it December? Is it cold in Kansas? What's changed? Nothing. Amen? Let's stand up today, shall we? I hope you receive from the Lord today.